the Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good evening, everybody. Or good, good afternoon. afternoon. Late afternoon. It's afternoon. Hi, Eric. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. No one cares. All right. Welcome you to the Full Court Press. You asked me. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson, and in studio with us, once again, special guest John Russell. Johnny. Great to be here. Welcome back. I'm glad Eric's here. We, <laughs> we've got a lot to get into and a very, very little amount of time to do it all in. We got your pick six plus a field goal, which was made up by me, which I love. Um, I think it's a great title, and I, I uh, would like to take copyright of that. Even though we've been teasing it all day as pick six plus a PAT. No, you teased it as that. You don't I know did. how to add. I didn't. You did. So do your job right, and then we wouldn't you have that You were there problem. when we created the tease. I don't remember. Uh, we uh, So we have our pick six plus a field goal. We have, uh, we'll recap game, what, three of the NBA Finals? Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Game three. Uh, and, it, it, I mean, it, talk three about- comes after two. Again, I, are you it's done? A, it's a math. It's a math. Are you free? It's just a math. It's a math thing. Thing. Are you yeah. done? Golden State gets flipped on its head, upside down, inside out, by Kawhi Leonard and Co. Uh, we'll get into that. Josh Parcells, uh, radio sports radio host in uh, Charlotte, will talk to us. We'll join us at four thirty. We'll talk uh, Kemba Walker, uh, his decision making of a supermax or a title shot, and what's going on in the Eastern Conference of the NBA free agency. Speaking of which. Huge trade coming from Brooklyn, who is uh, putting at risk their future in hopes of signing not one, but maybe two max slot guys. What does that mean for the rest of the NBA? We'll get into that more. But first and foremost, my goodness, I told you guys that the Raptors were going to come alive. I told you that uh, Thompson wasn't going to play. I told you that Kawhi Leonard, Siakam, Gasol would find their groove again. I'm pretty sure we have audio evidence that says the contrary. I can't find it. I have no idea. If anybody will go back and listen to yesterday's show, they will clearly hear that I predicted that Clay Thompson, if he plays, which I didn't think he would play, but even if he did, he would play less than 10 minutes. He didn't play. And I also predicted that Toronto would win. And Toronto did win. Well, we and you were the same fighting thing. me tooth and nail over those. We predicted the Both same thing. Both of those. 123, 109 is your final. Let's start with you, John. When you, I mean, when you look at this game, you look at the box score, you look at the stats, what stands out to you in a 14-point, which really was more of a blowout? Well, the thing that comes to mind is, first of all, you mentioned four guys, and you didn't mention the biggest player, Kyle Lowry, just huge. Oh. Hello? Oh, hi. We're back now. <laughs> uh, be safe wherever you are, uh, and uh, don't stand out in the hail. That sounds like a pretty nasty thunderstorm over Box Elder County. It may be drifting into cash later this afternoon, but as of this moment, it better not. I got the warning game. is only for Box Elder County. Hail, <laughs> high winds, fun stuff. It's stay, that time of year. Stay tuned here. We'll we'll make sure you get all the updates. And it was quite on. a. It's partly cloudy it was, right now. It was quite a storm for the Raptors. Oh, in oh Golden good. State. Stop it. It was Stop. It was raining. Stop. <laughs> Stop. It was raining threes. Uh, no. I, you know, you brought up four guys that they all played well, but really the player of the game 
uh, Kyle Lowry just came out and really had a had a really really solid performance. And um, oh, Green, Green, <laughs> he, he was shots. He, he has not shot well from beyond the arc at all this series. Mm-mm. And shooters, once they see the ball go through the hoop, it's like floodgates open and it starts to pour down. Would you from above? Oh my gosh. And that's what be that's better. What, that's what Danny Green was doing. Be better. And some of those shots that he was making were ridiculous. Yeah. The one against the, sh- the shot clock was expiring. He just kind of flicked it up there, and he was off. He was off balance. Uh, it seemed like any time Golden State tried to make a comeback, boom, Toronto hit back and just never relinquished control. And, and you bring up the offensive side of it. They did play extremely well offensively. Um, the, the number that just blows me away: they were fifty, forty, and ninety percent. For this game, they shot fifty percent as a team from be, uh, from overall field goals, forty percent from beyond the arc, and ninety percent. Whoops, oh, sorry, I got something going on here. It happens. Um, it's a tradition here on the full court press. Oh well, I feel official now. And over ninety percent from the free throw line. Offensively, they were a juggernaut, but they played really good defense. Now, here's where the argument begins, and this is where we're all going to get into it. We'll have people, you know, asking the same question. Were the Warriors able to win this game without Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant? They've won without Durant, but without Klay Thompson being in the lineup, would it have been a different ball game? I think it would have. I don't think it would have made a difference. I think Toronto was playing agree. its game last night. I would agree. I, I, I think when you get help like like Leonard did last night from so many guys, Gasol was 6 of 11, as you said, Lowry 6 of 18, Danny Green was 6 of 10, uh, Siakam was 8 of 16, uh, and, and for the most part, the bench was all right. Uh, Fan Fleet was four of eight from from the field. Uh, when you get that kind of help, it, it works. Now, now flip side to the you know other team. Stephen Curry now knows what it's like to be LeBron James for four yeah. straight years with the Cavaliers team that starred <laughs> he, Matthew Dellavedova. Great, Great point. He got absolutely no support. And you look at Draymond Green was asked to do more than he likes to. Yeah, I mean he's a force. I, I've gained a newfound respect for him. Uh, through these playoffs, but he's not a guy that's going to be able to take over the number two scoring spot. Uh, Boogie Cousins, who had a great game too, uh, one for seven, and he left the court. Uh, if you, if you notice, with ice on his ankle, so that's yeah. another question: What's going to happen? He had no lift. But the biggest one, the biggest factor, and Eric, I, I want your comments on this. Uh, really, the the hidden dynamo, the force for the Golden State Warriors, Warriors according to our own. Ajay, Jonas Jerebko was only one for six. I hate you guys. He was huge. It was a huge trade, and he only goes And you know what? Six. He had one rough game, and you guys want to beat him up for it. He's had one rough season. Get over it. But, but that, he did play ten minutes. Yeah. And in all seriousness, Golden State didn't have anybody step up. That was the key. Iguodala played a solid game, but it's nothing more than you expect out of him anyway. Uh, 11.6 boards. Those are good numbers, but you're not going to get anything more from them in a series like this. Well, and I want to go to, I heard Doug Gottlieb talking about this earlier today, and I I loved his take on it. Look, this, what happened last night showed us Andre Iguodala. Everybody was talking about how, what people are calling him Hall of Famer. He hit that big shot in game two. But look, this was a game last night where he was required and needed to do a lot to help his team. And, he had some things that he did okay, but 11 points, three yeah. assists. I mean, he, he has six rebounds, but I, I, he's getting up there in age. But he's not that old. 
And so this was a game where it was an opportunity for him to really shine, to really say, look, yeah, I'm a, I am a crucial part of this. Whereas before, there was so much gravity and attention that went to these other guys that he could float around and people would forget about him and he'd make a shot here or there and like, oh, Andre Iguodala. Yeah. And people would go gaga. And I'm not trying to disrespect his, his career because it's been a nice career, but I don't know that I'd call him a Hall of Famer. And, I, and this was a game where he, he needed to be a, a really a key factor for them to stay in the series, and he was limited. And, and he wasn't, yeah. It, I, unfortunately for the Warriors, what they needed to have happen didn't. And so now the question is, is if Clay Thompson, which according to coach uh, Steve Kerr, and as we heard at the top of the hour, is, you know, he's Durant is out. He will not play. Uh, and, and Thompson is slated to play, but that's all granted on how he continues to respond to treatments, Bingo. you know, whether something happens today. Uh, and remember, this is a quick turnaround. We're not used to this in the NBA. Yeah, finals. that's right. That's uh, true. We've been getting three or four games between uh, three or four days between games played last night, and then they're playing again tomorrow. Here's Steph Curry on playing without KD. Knowing he's not playing game four, um, we know what our rotations are going to be. Everybody lock in and and go win that game. And then when we get on the plane to go to Toronto, ask the same question. And, you know, we hope at some point he will be back. And, and when he does, we'll, like, we've, like we said, we'll be able to transition. It, it's a problem. And I, I would have been, if someone would have told me that before this series, you needed Kevin Durant to beat the Raptors, I would have said you're crazy. Now, to beat Milwaukee, absolutely, you need Kevin Durant. But to beat the Raptors, I thought, no, 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 you'll be okay. You got Thompson, you got Curry, Green, and Godala, you'll be fine. This is becoming a bigger problem than what everybody expected, especially all those in San Francisco right now and in Oakland, that the Warriors are struggling this badly without Kevin Durant. Well, I'm, I'm going to kind of... Use what you just said as to what I why I think Toronto's playing so well. Because Please. let's not forget that they've won two out of three now. They won on Golden State's court. Yeah, they split in Toronto, but they won on Golden State's court. Um, but there, I, I if I were a Toronto Raptor right now, I would take this as a bit as a, a bit of a slap in the face. Comments like you just made that we we don't need Durant to beat Toronto, but we need Durant to beat Milwaukee. I, I think there are a lot of people going into this series that were just saying, you know, it's going to be Toronto or it's going to be Milwaukee, Golden State. Yeah. And it's almost like Toronto's, oh, well. An afterthought. It's an afterthought. And now all of a sudden, this is a good ball club. This is a really good ball club. They're well put together. And, and I think they're put together well enough that even with Thompson coming back, uh, I would not I would not bet against Toronto at this point. 123-109 is your final score. Raptors lead this series two games to one, and as John's already mentioned, no time to mope about it for the Warriors. you got to play tomorrow night. Again, same time, same place. But the bigger story, and this is unfortunate, that, I mean, as, as big as that game was, and as honestly as fun as it was to watch both teams, a bigger story involves a minority owner of the Golden State Warriors, Kawhi, uh, excuse me, not Kawhi, Kyle Lowry, diving into the stands to save a ball uh, as he's going to kind of recollect himself and stand up. He gets a shove from somebody, and it's not just somebody. It's Mark Stevens, the minority owner, one of them, of the Golden State Warriors. And we, I mean, we talked about the Russell Westbrook situation with Utah Jazz. We've talked, you've seen incidents where fans have maybe interacted with players one way or another that may have crossed the line. 
this is above and beyond that. As a minority owner, you know dang well and much better than to be putting your hands on a basketball player, an athlete involved in the game. Yeah, it's not like Kyle Lowry like landed on him and he's just trying no. to get him back off. He landed on people next to him, and this guy basically kind of leans up out of his chair and shoves, and shoves Kyle. And so here's a, an entitled rich guy that thinks that he can say and do whatever he wants. But I have to give a lot of credit to Golden State for saying, look, come on, that's just not acceptable. Absolutely. I mean, LeBron James came out. Uh, Kyle Lowry was trying to make a big deal about it after the game, and I applaud him for that because you're right. You can't, if you're going to chase down a ball, yeah, you, you might run into some people. But you shouldn't be afraid that someone's going to be pushing you around and and hurting you. And he didn't hurt him. I mean, he just put his it hand on It doesn't matter. Him. But still, you, you can't do you that. Can't, so I applaud Gold State for saying, look, we know you're an investor. You're one of a, you're a minority owner. You're a front row guy. But you can't do that. So he's banned from the rest of the series. And I think they've banned him for next year, too. Yeah, right? A statement has been That's released correct. that the NBA, in quote, that the NBA and the Golden State Warriors today announced that the Warriors investor Mark Stevens has been banned from attending NBA games and Warriors team's activities for one year, which includes the 2019-2020 postseason. That has been fined as well for $500,000 for pushing and directing obscene language Ooh. toward the Toronto Raptors' wow. Kyle Lowry during Game 3 of the Finals last night. The incident occurred with 10 minutes and 37 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter when Lowry dived into the spe- uh, spectator stands while chasing a loose ball. Stevens' ban is effective immediately and carries through once again the 2019-20 NBA season, including the postseason. Is that a heavy enough punishment, John? Yes or no? Well, it's it, the NBA is trying to to play firm here and and stand up for the players, and which which I'm glad they did. We all know this will kind of be backed off. Uh, his lawyers. All right, let's get back to it really quickly. We've got a yeah, lot of time. Yeah, just real quick Please. to repeat, again, Jonas Jerebko, a part of the huge trade from the Jazz to the Warriors. I hate you. Six points in 10 minutes. One <laughs> I hate you. No. <laughs> yeah. the, the thing is, you know, Eric, you made a good point. Glad the way the NBA, glad the way the Warriors handle it. Hats off to Kyle Lowry for not turning for handling shoving the himself. guy. Um, he, he, was, he was steamed with what happened, but he immediately got up. And I heard a, uh, on one of the sports shows today, Talking about, uh, you know, how things could have changed as a result. Has Lowry turned? I think we're back. Are we? I'm so I sick of this. But I think <laughs> this just, is going to be a pattern. This show is brought afternoon. to you by weather warnings. <laughs> but the point I wanted to make. Well, make it quick Lowry, because we're about to get a weather warning again. Had Lowry turned around and shoved him, the NBA would have likely suspended him. And arrested. And he would have been arrested. Well, it could have. But oh, what impact he wouldn't have been would arrested. that have had on the it's series? It's assault. But no, they they would have held it in house. But what impact would that have had if the if the owner shoves Lowry, Lowry shoves him back, NBA says, No, 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 you can't touch the fan. We're suspending you for a game, two games, whatever. What kind of impact does that now have on the series? Yeah. So hats off for Lowry to handling it. Um, you know, one of the great things about the NBA is you've got guys that you know, fans are able to stand sit right on the court, but fans have got to realize you these guys are doing their job. Yeah. I don't go out to police officers on the street and jump in as they're writing a ticket and go, hey, nice ticket, way to go. You know, Jump and up and give them a little back rub. Some of them may like that. <laughs> do I, a I don't Drake know. on Nick Nurse. Exactly. I don't you know, jump in, in front of a university professor in the middle of his lecture and, and you know, harass him and say, no, you're wrong. 
look, folks, you got to realize it. And and luckily, Larry handled himself the way he should have. The NBA did what it should have. Lawyers are going to get involved. He won't pay as much. You'll see a little donation to some cause the NBA is friendly to, and uh, it, and it'll all be forgotten. But nonetheless, 123-109 is your final. The Raptors have a 2-1 series lead. Again, tomorrow night is game four. Correct. Yep. I always get lost. I'm telling that you. It gets three. me every time. You guys are such bullies. You know, <laughs> be mature. All right, you went golfing with each other, and you guys think you're really cool because you didn't invite me. But grow up. Thank you. Okay. That was fun. Are you trying to talk down to us? Uh, No, not at all. Okay. Uh, We got more to discuss today. We got a lot of things we're going to try to get in and hope not get interrupted again. So (laughs) let's do this. Let's take a quick timeout. On the other side, we'll get into our pick six. We're going to do it early in the hour because we've got a cool interview coming up with Josh Parcelti. He is, well, he covers the Charlotte Hornets for WFNZ. And yeah, it's. Is Kemba Walker a likely target to come to Utah? And there's an interesting trade today in the Eastern Conference that we'd like to get his thoughts on that as well. So we'll discuss all that coming up next in the Full Court Press. Back by popular demand as a seasonal special, the Iberian Burger has returned to Morty's Cafe. The Iberian Burger is inspired by Spanish flavors and topped with homemade romesco sauce, chorizo, a one-third pound of mouth-watering Angus patty, plus garlic aioli mayo, caramelized onions, and provolone cheese. I bet you can't even remember what the burger's name is. Come and try the Iberian Burger at Morty's Cafe on Darwin Avenue and Morty's Cafe at Blue Square. If you're looking for a summer job or something more long-term, Elwood Staffing may have a spot for you. They're currently hiring for production, warehouse, and several other positions for well-known companies in Cache Valley. Come see if Elwood Staffing can help you. If you're an employer needing additional recruiting power, Elwood Staffing can help. Contact Elwood Staffing online at elwoodstaffing.com or call or text at 435-750-0886 or stop by the Logan, Ogden, or Brigham City offices. Elwood Staffing is an equal opportunity employer. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. AJ Salveson, Eric Franson on the Full Court Press, alongside John Russell joins us today. We're grateful to have him along. He does a great job. You can listen to him during the Aggie basketball season for the postgame show uh, and you know, get the best coverage of the Aggie basketball through uh, his post-game shows, which are just absolutely awesome. Uh, Josh Parcell will join us to talk about the uh, Eastern Conference in regards to the NBA free agency. Kemba Walker specifically, uh, he's got a chance at a Supermax that is above $200 million. Or maybe go contend for a championship, which will he do? We'll talk to Josh there later in the hour, uh, about maybe about 7 or 10 minutes from about now. Uh, now it is time for pick six and a field goal, which, by the way, is possible in football. I hope you all know that. If they happen at different times in the game, sure. Well, yeah. But we talked about it in the tease about a pick six and a PAT. No, which... you talked about it. I didn't. Anyway, three things from each one of us about that, uh, that we think might happen this weekend. Mm-hmm. And we're going to explain what it is and why we think it might take place. Amen. Who's going first? Um, since I won last week. Who won? I, I did. Yeah, I won. Once twice. Um, I will go last. Since AJ since AJ lost last week, he can go first. And then John, you can go I like that. That You can go second. Okay, so when earlier today when I was looking at it, because you usually do NBA games, right? We have no NBA game over the weekend. 
If you don't include Friday night. Yeah, but usually it's Saturday and Sunday. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Give us your pick. All right. Uh, Boston hosting Tampa Bay in Major League Baseball on Saturday. David Price is starting Eric's favorite all-time player of any sport in any jet, you know <laughs> year. Uh, David Price, six and a half strikeouts for Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Over or under? Over. Uh, see, John, you said over. Yes, sir. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna take the over. I will take the over as well. Okay. All righty. I guess that means I'm up next. <laughs> Uh, no, he's got his full oh, three. Oh, you give all three. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay, so Houston plays Baltimore on Saturday, June 8th. I have Houston winning by a margin of three and a half runs over under. I'm going to say by three and a half runs? Yeah. And I'm going to say over for me. Houston and Baltimore. Yep. At Houston. You could say 25 runs and I'd still take Houston. Baltimore is horrible this year. <laughs> and I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan. Grew up uh, going to Memorial. Uh, I'm taking the over. Okay, fine. I'm going to take the under. Oh, see, this is what costs you all the time. He's a rebel. You get mm. salty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, three, winning by three is still a healthy margin. Oh, yeah. Let's not get mistaken unless here. Unless it's Baltimore. <laughs> you say unless it's Baltimore? Yes. <laughs> uh, and then, oh, they don't. I was wrong. You guys, I was wrong. Oh, that's sad. Okay, never mind. I have to switch mine at the last moment. Okay, Friday night. Fine. We'll do Friday night. Wasn't he the one giving us grief earlier game four, about being be prepared? prepared. Shut it. Of the game. Ran off and then he went the wrong direction in the studio. Game four and the finals. Uh, I've got Golden State winning by eight and a half over under. Golden State winning. Game four. Actually, no, no. We'll do the winning margin eight and a half over under either side. I think it's the spread. I, I think with Thompson coming back, you're going to have a lot closer game. I, I still think Toronto, I think Toronto wins on on Friday. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the under. The, the Toronto does win, but they don't win by eight and a half. Francie? Um, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the over. I think with Thompson back, it rejuvenates this team. You know, boxing one has been working because Thompson hasn't been on the court, but with Thompson on the court, he's going to be able to hit some shots. I like Golden State okay. by plus eight. So my turn. Yes. Yes. All right. Um, I mentioned this on Tuesday. Um, Rafa, 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 Rafa Nadal oh, uh, just absolutely dominates the French Open. He has won 11 straight semifinal and final matches. And once again, he plays in the semifinals tomorrow morning. So if you want to get up, I think it's at like 4 o'clock our time. Uh, you can watch that. But he will be playing. Uh, this is I, I'm new to this over and under. So I'm going to say over or under or yay or nay, does he uh, win the French Open again? Which means two victories. He has to win the semifinals and the finals. And Djokovic is uh, in the other matchup. I say he wins. The, the guy just absolutely dominates. Okay, so the question is, does Rafael Nadal win the French Open, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Correct. And you say yes? Yes, I do. I say, oh, yes. 
That was almost like a yet. I had to think about it. Um, I have not been following. I don't know who the other challengers are at this moment. Uh, so I'm probably going to get burned, but I'm going to say no. Okay. Fair enough. We'll see what happens there. Question number two. Uh, we've unfortunately forgot about that. I think our good friend, um, uh, Mr. Jason Williams over there, uh, he knows what's going on, but Stanley cup is going on. Oh yeah. Uh, you've got game you go. five coming up tonight. Uh, the Bruins hosting the St. Louis blues over under on that is five and a half. As far oh, as total gosh. goes, uh, I'm going to take the over five and a half. I'm taking the over on goals scored on goals scored tonight. The so goals scored in game five. Correct. Oh, man. That's a good line. You're taking the over? Taking the over. John, okay. Five and a half. What are you taking, Eric? I'm going to take the over. I'm going to be safe and just take the over. Okay. I'm gonna, I, know it's, I know it's really lame and lazy, but I just don't want to lose that one. We wouldn't I... expect any less from you. Last question <laughs> I have. Uh, throughout the remainder of the day today and tomorrow, how many times does Ajay oh, say frick? You can't do that. One and a half. That's over, not even under. a real. I'm, is, I'm taking over. There's an asterisk. For what was the number? One and a half. Okay, you took the over? Yeah. What are you going to take? And you know you can't control yourself. Oh, under. Easily. No. I'll, yeah. So I that's... I'm That's going yet. for the rest of Thursday and then Friday's show. Correct. He'll forget by Friday. I'm going to take the over. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, that's my three. All right, my three. I will start out with the FIFA Women's Ooh, World Cup. I almost went there. It begins Today. tomorrow, tomorrow, isn't it? Well, no. yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow gets in underway tomorrow. Uh, Team USA is favored to win. France is right on their heels. France. Uh, France or France. France. They play South Korea tomorrow. France by one and a half. Do you take the over or the under? I'm liking France. They, they're they they're kind of a dark horse uh, going into this tournament. And uh, so I, I'm taking the over. I think they get a nice little four zip, four zip win, four nil. I'm going to say over. Guys, this game isn't very interesting when we all agree with each other. I'm taking the over also. Uh, Quinn Cook, I believe that he will be called on to do more. His role has increased each game in this series for Golden State. And I think that he will play a larger role. But um, how much will he contribute is the question. For Golden State, Quinn Cook points in game four. I've set it at ten and a half. Ooh, that's a good line. That's a good line. It's at uh, I I feel like McKinnon is going to be a bigger. If somebody has to be a fa- a figure off to the be- off the bench for Golden State, it needs to be McKinnon. I think Cook will be asked for more, but the lights will get to him. I'm saying under. Lights will get to him. He's he's been quality. Uh, ten in and a him half. And Jonas Jerebko, buddy. <laughs> what are you taking? No, 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 sir. That's not how it works. Uh, over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna regret that one too. Okay, I'm gonna take the under. Oh, gosh, he has not scored more than nine points. Okay, well tomorrow's a big but, day. But he could be called on to do more in game four. All right, my last one. 
still sticking with the Golden State Warriors versus Toronto Raptors. Game four, Jonas Jarebko minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've set the line at six and a half. <laughs> You guys are so mean. I'm. This, you guys are bullies. This game is going to be a lot tighter. It's going to really require guys to step up and, and make a difference. And uh, JJ will not be doing that. So I'm taking the under. Going under. I'm okay. going under. That was such a huge trade. I'm taking the over. He played 10 minutes in game three. And I think that he'll play because uh, I'm not so sure that... Boogie Cousins yeah, is going to play. Point. They're going to need somebody out that's there. That's a good point. And somebody who can shoot. So that's our pick six plus a field goal plus three more. <laughs> we'll post these on social media, on Twitter, and on the 106.9 The Fan Facebook page. And we'd love to get your feedback as well. When you go through these, you see them. We'd love to get your votes on them or how who you predict may win this week. And on Monday, we'll recap it all and declare who wins and who didn't, who gets to bring a prize for the rest of us. All right, coming up next, Josh Parcell uh, of WFNZ in Charlotte, talking who uh, talks Hornets. Specifically, we're going to get into Kemba Walker, NBA free agents in the Eastern Conference. That's all coming up. Eric France and Audrey Salveson, John Russell, on the Full Court Press at 1069-1390 AM, The Fan. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric Franson, I'll chase Allison. Uh, you're on the Full Court Press, 435 is your time right now. Uh, joining us live here on the Full Court Press, uh, radio sports guru of the Charlotte Hornets, anything Charlotte, uh, in uh, North Carolina, and WFNZ Radio does a great, great, great job. Um, in fact, I, I believe he used to cover the Pac-12, too, if I'm not mistaken, and did really good work there. Uh, that's where I read a lot of his stuff. He is Josh Parcell. Here on the uh, Full Court Press. Josh, thanks for your time. Greatly appreciate you. Oh, happy to be on with you guys. Hey, Josh, let's start here. Let's just dive right into it. Kemba Walker is makes the All-NBA team, which means he's available for a Supermax. Uh, Charlotte has had some struggle building into an Eastern Conference contender. So in saying that, what have you been hearing about Kemba Walker's decision-making or which way he might be leaning towards a Supermax or maybe leaving to co- contend for a championship? You know, it's interesting. I mean, Kemba has really, for the last year, done everything he can to not tip his hand other than say, I really love Charlotte. (laughs) He has been really adamant about his love for the city, his appreciation for the organization that gave him his start. I mean, you guys remember going back to, you know, the draft in 2011, there were concerns about him being undersized. Was he just kind of a a one-hit wonder as somebody who went on that miraculous run at UConn. There was just there were people who doubted him. So he really appreciates Charlotte for for giving him a chance and being the place where he's grown into this supermax player, this All NBA player. Um, I wonder how much ultimately that will play into his decision in in July. Um, I, I would put it at fifty fifty right now that nice. uh, that he's a Hornet next year. Obviously, it helps that they have the extra. $80 million of wiggle room to negotiate with him that other teams can't offer as well as that fifth year on the contract. So I think it's a real toss up right now. I mean, Charlotte obviously has struggled 
to put a winner around him, but it's hard to pass up the extra money and, and obviously a place where you've, you've come to know and love in eight years as a pro. So let me ask you, what makes, what makes him stay? What makes him leave? Would, I, would, is there hope for the future that this team might be making some changes? Are there young players coming up that there looks like there's a young core that can develop into something? Or do you, are there circumstances outside of what's going on in Charlotte that'll be very appealing for him to go? I'll be honest. I, I feel like if, if he stays in Charlotte, a major reason why is because of the money. I just feel like, and the extra year. I mean, being able to offer five years for a guy who's about to turn 29 years old, who's, you know, he's six feet tall. Just history does not reflect, reflect kindly on small point guards who are going into their 30s. So being able to secure a five-year contract right now at the kind of dollar value that he's looking at, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's just, that, that's so important for him. So, I feel like that's the reason why he would sign. You know, as far as a core goes, you know, Hornets have a few interesting young players, but nobody that, that you know, you talk about the teams that are going to be competing. I mean, they're, they're trying to compete against Utah or Dallas, who have Luka Doncic and Donovan Mitchell, and Indiana has Victor Oladipo. I mean, they just don't have anywhere, anyone anywhere close to that caliber, um, you know, on the roster right now. The best they have to offer is Miles Bridges, and he's just, you know, I don't know. Josh, I that's, think that's the hard thing Charlotte's battling right now. We uh, here in Utah, we went through something a couple of years ago with Gordon Hayward, and, and he left for uh, Boston. He didn't take the money. Uh, he still got paid pretty well, but you know, he he gave that up. But he had that uh, the relationship with his college coach. It, do you feel like it's that much? That is that enough of a draw? For, for Kemba to go to New York to want to play in Brooklyn or New York? Or do you think he'd even be open to looking at a place like Utah or Indiana? I, I actually think he'd be more open to, to Utah or to, uh, to Indiana or, or Dallas. Um, he's not a guy who really likes attention. Um, he, I, I've been around him. I've spent some time with him. And people who've spent even more time than I have with him, just they tell you he, he's just different. He, he's not like... You know, there's just so many stars in the league these days that they want to be in commercials and they want to get their shoe deals and they want to be these big global sensation stars. It's just not who Kemba is. Kemba really likes the anonymity of being in Charlotte, that even though he's the biggest thing here in town, you know, he's talked about being able to go to the grocery store and people kind of don't even really notice. Um, it's certainly they didn't notice until maybe the last couple of years, but even now it's just, it's low key. And I, I think he likes that. And you know, if he goes to Utah, he's the at best second best star on that, second biggest star on that team behind Donovan Mitchell. Maybe third behind Gobert. You know, in Dallas, that that's Luka Doncic's city for the next decade. So he can come in and be a great player, but also not have to worry about being, uh, you know, the face of a franchise or somebody who's going to be mobbed by the media day in and day out. You go to New York, you get involved with that circus with Kevin Durant, or <laughs> you know, you go to Brooklyn and stuff. That's just I, to me, I would be very, very surprised, if not stunned, if Kimba Walker said, you know what, that's where I want to go play. It just doesn't seem like him. I, I laughed so hard at your tweet that you had sent out the other day when Donovan Mitchell was talking about uh, that he thought he was going to get drafted by Charlotte, and it just made you want to throw up. And, and when you look at the drafting by Charlotte and where they're at now, 
is it is it bad scouting? Is it bad drafting, or is it just the luck of the draw? I mean, what's going on over there? Um, honestly, the real answer is probably a little bit of everything. <laughs> I think you know they they have passed up on a couple big guys. Um, they they you know they drafted Cody Zeller in a year where CJ McCollum went a few picks later, and you know Giannis went fifteen, and they you know the year uh, I think it was twenty twelve. They drafted Michael Kidd Gilchrist one spot ahead of Bradley Beal. You know, <laughs> a couple of years ago, they drafted Malik Monk two spots ahead of Donovan Mitchell. I mean, so it just feels like there's always been a star that's gone a couple picks later. Um, the Mitchell one really stings because Rich Cho, the old GM here in Charlotte, he wanted Malik Monk, and then he's fired four months later. And Steve Clifford, the head coach at the time, was banging the drum for, for Donovan Mitchell, and he didn't get his way, and Clifford ends up getting fired. It's just – it's kind of been a circus there. I mean, the, the player development has been a problem in Charlotte for a while. I think the new head coach, James Borrego, he comes from San Antonio. I think they really like what he's able to do, and you already started to see some dividends of that with some of their young players this year who, um, who played well towards the end of the year. Um, but, man, I mean, you go back – just how differently things would look in Charlotte right now if Donovan Mitchell was a Hornet or if they had won the lottery the year they went 7-59 and 59, and they don't get the first pick and Anthony Davis ends up in New Orleans. I mean, you just think about how differently things could mm. go, but that's kind of life in the NBA. It's interesting. You know, we're talking to Josh Parcell. He's a radio personality for WFNZ covering the Charlotte Hornets. And let us understand who Kemba Walker is as a player. A lot of people here in the state of Utah have been hearing that uh, that Kemba Walker may be a top target for the Jazz. If he were to come, I mean, help us understand what type of player he is and how he might complement a player like Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert. Uh, in- incredible score. Uh, guy who's fantastic at finishing around the rim for his size. Uh, has developed into a good three-point shooter. I mean, early in his career, he was 30% or below his first couple seasons in the league as a three-point guy really has blossomed into a great shooter off the dribble. Um, you know, he's obviously not Stephen Curry, but this past year he's really been used a lot like Stephen Curry or even James Harden. I mean, it, he's again, not to say that he's that same caliber, but he's used in a similar way. You, you run a pick and rolls for Kemba Walker. He's going to come off of that screen and make you pay either as a scorer or as a passer. Um, you know, in Charlotte that he's pretty much been their only scoring option on offense and, yet he's still been able to play pretty efficient basketball, um, shooting you know close to 37% from three. I would imagine if you put him beside Donovan Mitchell and you allow you know some of the defensive focus to shift away from Kemba, where you have to worry about taking away Donovan Mitchell or even guys like Joe Ingles, who are great three-point shooters, some of the guys they have there in Utah, that's only going to help Kemba become a more efficient player. I, I think Utah and Dallas both, are tremendous fits for Kemba from a basketball standpoint because of just how much how, how hard he's had to work to score in Charlotte. It, it, it would be so much easier for him with either a guy like Donovan Mitchell or a Luka Doncic to share the backcourt with. As you talk to some of the sports folks around around here in, in Utah, uh, there's concern as to whether we can get a top name player like Kemba uh, to come here. But what they feel like is maybe that some of those those second tier players or guys that are just kind of new to the league that really haven't blossomed yet, if they get an opportunity to come here, they might do well. Is there anybody that fits that mold in Charlotte? <laughs> Not that we're asking you to give us a shopping list, but you know, are there guys that you're looking to to see break out in Charlotte? 
Um, as far as like younger players, yes. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mentioned Miles Bridges. He was a lottery pick a year ago. He showed some signs of world class athleticism. He also showed the ability to shoot at times. He cooled off in the second half of the year, but started off well. Um, that would be a guy who's definitely emerging. Malik Monk has been a huge disappointment. He was the guy who was drafted ahead of Donovan Mitchell. Charlotte fans remember that just about every day. Um, but I think a guy that I would watch if you're looking for young players on the rise, uh, who may actually be a, a nice little trade ship for Charlotte here in the next year or two, is Dwayne Bacon. Uh, Dwayne Bacon was a guy who came out of Florida State. He was a second-round pick a couple years ago. Uh, showed a little bit as a rookie, you know, that he was at least capable of, of sticking around in the league. And then he had a few 20-point games down the stretch last year for Charlotte. And he ended up uh, being a starter. He's kind of already surpassed Malik Monk in just his second year as a guy in the rotation that they could count on. That's that's pretty impressive for a second-round pick. So, you know, I, I think Dwayne Bacon could end up being a, a serviceable starter in this league or definitely a good rotation piece on a contender like Utah. You know, down the line, that, that he could be an interesting name to keep an eye on as somebody who is either as a free agent or maybe a trade piece. Meanwhile, around the rest of the Eastern Conference, Brooklyn has just sounded the first cannon at their uh, trading Allen Crabtree, the number 17 pick, and a protected first in 2020 to the Hawks for Tarion Prince in a 2021 second rounder. My question to you is, how crazy could this free agency be, especially in the Eastern Conference with all the rumors spreading about Kevin Durant and D'Angelo Russell, I mean, on and on, Kyrie Irving. I mean, how crazy, how loaded up do you have to get to, to I mean, for this thing to kind of explode starting in July? Oh, I, I think we're in store for maybe one of the wildest summers of the history of the NBA. I just, I mean, there was a couple years, you know, you go back to LeBron's free agency in 2010, there were a couple other big-name guys who were on the market that summer. I think Amari Stoudemire was one of the names then. Um, I don't remember if that was the Chris Paul year, but I know Stoudemire was in the, in the mix that year. And, you know, there were a few guys who were definitely superstars who could help kind of change the, the paradigm of the league. Um, but we've never seen anything like this. I mean, Jimmy Butler, who is a pretty much a perennial all-star, obviously has some of his own issues away from the floor, but Jimmy Butler is a top 25 player in the NBA. Nobody's talking about Jimmy Butler in this summer because they're too worried about Durant and Kyrie Irving and some of the other guys who are going to move around. I just think there's going to be so much of a shift this, this upcoming summer in the NBA. It's going to be fascinating to watch it all play out. Um, you know, Utah's in a really interesting position because it's not the most attractive market from a you know, weather standpoint, from a marketability standpoint, but they've got one of the best core rosters in the league. They've got a tremendous front office. They've got a great head coach. I mean, if you're looking for a place to go win, a place to go compete and compete immediately, I don't know why you wouldn't consider Utah. So I, I think, uh, obviously, Kimba Walker is a fantastic fit there. Uh, I'd be curious to see who else they go after. Maybe D'Angelo Russell, if he becomes available. Maybe Mike Conley in a trade. But I think if U Utah is an attractive option for one of these guys, there's so many of them that are going to be available, I, I, I would imagine that the Jazz would, uh, would hope to be able to pick up one of those guys before, uh, before Ju July wraps up. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm going to put you on the spot. My final question to you. Uh, you did such an incredible job covering the Pac-12. It, it was phenomenal work by you, Josh. I wanted to ask you, can they clean up the mess this year? And, and if not, I mean, how much of a hot seat is Larry Scott sitting on? You know, it's interesting. Larry Scott has had a really bad 12 months. And I, I feel like, you know, cleaning up the mess is just there's a lot of a mess to clean up, and some of it isn't even related to football. I, I feel like 
the Pac-12 is not dying. I don't want to make this seem overrated or anything, but they're lagging behind in, in a lot of different areas. Uh, you know, the, the other conferences have now completely capitalized on the television networks. Pac-12 has not been able to do that. I think they've really had a, a ton of poor foresight into how to capitalize on the emergence of new media and uh, exp- giving maximum exposure to their brands. You think about it, it, it wasn't that long ago that Oregon was maybe the most popular brand in all of college football. And USC was, was right there as well, obviously, in the Pete Carroll days. Uh, they, just, they just don't have that right now. Um, I think it's going to be really hard for them to recapture that. And this season on the football field, I don't see a team that's a real legitimate contender. I think Washington could be pretty good if Jacob Eason uh, is as good as advertised. But I think we're looking at what would be the fourth year out of five, if I'm not mistaken, that the Pac-12 misses the college football playoff. I think that's going to be tough. As for Larry Scott, I I mean, there's so many other circumstances that surround his security. But I I think the Pac-12 is in a really, really dark period (laughs) when it comes to success, both in football and in basketball. All right, we're back. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of uh, these the severe weather storm warnings, which has uh, caused us to... We didn't hear the last part of Josh Parcell, yeah. what he was saying. We're reconnecting with him for just a moment. Uh, but uh, anyway, talking about the Pac-12. Interesting insight, though, about the, the Charlotte Hornets and about Kemba Walker. Great insight about uh, the type of player that he is. And not sure. He's been pretty quiet about what his thought process is going to be like. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. A big thanks to uh, Josh Parcell. We apologize to our listeners and to Josh as well for the weather alerts. We have no control over that whatsoever. Um, we will get Josh on again during free agency in July and uh, – Talk about what's going on and uh, see what, you know the decision making for Kemba Walker. John, you, you said something really interesting at the break. You, yeah. I, I just you all talked about this, I guess, on the show yesterday. I, I missed it, but it's the simple fact: if you want to win, why would you not want to come to Utah? It, it the Jazz have everything in line for you. Uh, you've got a great offensive partner in Donovan Mitchell. You've got stellar defense. You have one of the better front uh, front offices. You have one of the better coaches in the NBA. Uh, and, you know, we, we've heard this over and over from people that have left that have kind of grumbled when they've been here, but after they leave, they're like, you know, that wasn't so bad. Kind of blew that. Right. It was a great place for our family. Uh, I, didn't ex- I didn't experience discrimination or yeah. weird situations with fans. So, yeah, there's been a lot of former players doing a nice job of saying, look, Utah's Utah's great place to live. So, Kemba, if you're great listening to, play. to our show, <laughs> you know, keep keep that in mind. Please do. I, I, I just don't get it, and, and I think that somebody's going to get smart. And if they make the right signing, it's it's going to be a special year. Hey, last thing real quick. Sorry, we've got a, two, I guess, pretty gnarly thunderstorm systems like heading in our way, Cache County's kind of in the crosshairs of both of these. That's why we keep getting interrupted with these weather alerts. So if you have baseball games, softball games tonight, be careful. Don't mess around. And uh, they're supposed to be hidden before too long. So be careful, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Toronto Raptors may be leading the NBA Finals two games to one, but I'm still not sure how much respect they're getting. Game three will be known as the game that Steph Curry put up 47, but came up short. And fair enough. 
Curry was spectacular for the shorthanded Warriors, but it could also be known as the game Danny Green hit six three-pointers, or that Kyle Lowry hit big shot after big shot, or that Kawhi was, well, Kawhi, or that Serge Ibaka had six block shots. Toronto's in a great position. Even if Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant can come back, will they be at full strength? But forget the Warriors for a moment. If the Raptors get those kind of contributions from their role players, they're going to be tough to beat, especially with home court advantage. At a certain point, they'll be viewed as more than just the team playing the Warriors, and everyone will realize the team north of the border is real, a real threat to win the title. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.